Andrew Kirker. Out on the mountains, and he's 2.17 seconds inside here. Oh, that's a huge stack! Oh, no! Oh, dearie me! What a horrific crash! Getting back up. It's required of any athlete seeking to push beyond limitation. It comes in knowing that they aren't defined by the fall itself, but rather what they do following. Oh no! Second American skier has a massive fall! Stay stagnant or get back up again and continue to move forward. What does Andrew Kirka possess? For sit skiers like Andrew Kirka, moving forward is ingrained in who he is. He might even say it's all he knows. Once the number one sit skier in the world, Kirka is collecting Paralympic heartbreaks that would shake even the toughest competitors. So while the Alaskan had ambitious goals to add to his Paralympic medal collection in Beijing, the void from these games has marked an even bigger win. The triumph that comes from getting back up and out on the slopes. Massive! Massive run. From NBC Sports, this is The Podium, a podcast about the 2022 Beijing Winter Paralympic Games. I'm your host, Mallory Whiteman, bringing to you stories of determination and perseverance, elite athletes that are carving what is possible on ice and snow for all. down, picking up a bit of extra speed at the end. Great recovery by Cocker and moves into the lead. What a phenomenal last turn and drop down into the stadium section by just nine hundredths. He takes the lead. Fabulous from Cocker. Andrew Kirka from the United States and I compete in U.S. Paralympic Alpine Ski. All right, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. This is such a pleasure as we wrap these 2022 Winter Paralympic Games. You know, these were your third Paralympic Games as a member of Team USA. Take us through a bit of what your preparations going into the Games were. Well, the preparations going into the Games uh, was constant training, you know, both mental and physical, and uh, preparing ourselves the best that we could to uh, to be ready when we got there. Um, we trained um, in Idaho to prepare ourselves in Sun Valley. Um, and it was conditions very similar to the conditions or what we thought was going to be very similar to the conditions that we were going to see in China. And um, we prepared ourselves um, in a course that was quite similar. Uh, unfortunately for me, uh, during training uh, about Two weeks prior to the games, I uh, crashed in a downhill training run. Um, the the toe piece on my binding just broke, and uh, I ended up with a broken nose, a black eye, and a severe concussion. So yeah, it's been it's been a tough it's been a tough season for me. <laughs> Mostly just heading into the games. And when something like that happens just weeks before the games, how do you pull yourself out of it and mentally refocus to get back up in the starting gate? So it's, I focus on the one thing that is 
I think the perspective that helps me to be successful in everything that I do. And um, I don't go out there to win. I go out there to do the best that I can in any given moment. I get the opportunity to, and I go for it. And I focus on what the next step is and what I need to do. And that's exactly what I focused on. I said, okay, the moment I can get back on snow, I'm going to do everything possible to make sure that I am ready to win. Um, And that's unfortunately kind of what put me in this situation uh, where I'm injured right now, Uh, you know, and what broke my arm before competing. Tell us a little bit about what, happened prior to the downhill run there in Beijing? Well, um, the day the downhill was being run, I would consider it unsafe. Um, And I did consider it unsafe and I considered it unfair um, because in the sport that I compete in, um, when the wind can determine a winner, um, it doesn't matter how much training and how much athleticism you have. I think it's unfair. It's up to luck. It's up to mother nature. Um, And unfortunately um, the winds were underneath the threshold of what they considered dangerous that day. Um, Even though a lot of the athletes crashed and got injured, Lori Stevens, myself, um, many others. Um, And uh, it was just due to the heavy winds on the course and the training course had heavy winds as well. And I was running the training course, preparing for the downhill. Uh, I was preparing the best I could, uh, getting as many runs as I could um, to be ready for it because I had recently had the concussion and training two weeks earlier, so I didn't get a lot of time on snow. Um, And just prior, the few training runs in the downhill course I had had were extremely comfortable. Um, I sat right where I wanted to be every day. I said I was going to increase three seconds on my time. And every day I did increase three seconds on my time. And I was sitting right where I wanted to, you know, I felt extremely comfortable in the course. A lot of people were like, oh man, it's scary. I'm in a sketchy. Um, but to me, it just, it felt like second nature. It was really, really smooth and really, really comfortable. Um, but the, in the warm up run, a gust took me into the fence. Um, there was nothing I could do. Uh, and so that's, I mean, that's why, like, it doesn't mess with me mentally. Like, I, I feel completely fine about it um, because I did everything in my power. But it, it was just an unfortunate circumstance that just uh, led me into fate, I suppose. Um, you know, I was in the middle of a course and uh, the wind literally took me straight into the fence. Nothing I could do. I had a choice of either high siding or going into the fence. And I chose to go into the, into the fence and, uh, I hit it again, just perfect. Uh, the, just underneath my shoulder, uh, hit the fence, just perfect. The B netting, just perfect. Um, underneath my shoulder to, for it to break my greater tuberosity at the upper portion of my humerus, uh, near the outer side of my humerus, right where it sits into the ball joint. And uh, right where it sits into the ball joint, that same area is right where all of your rotator cuff and labrum and everything attach. So any kind of shoulder movement is extremely painful. And then at the same time that I broke my shoulder, my thumb had got caught in the fence and I had ripped my thumb backwards, breaking it um, in a hyperextension 
and uh, ripping my ligaments uh, in my thumb, my UCL and my MCL, I think it is. It, I ripped my thumb off. <laughs> <laughs> it stayed attached though. <laughs> well, well, that's, that's good. I mean, it's yeah. always great when the thumb stays attached, but yeah. what's, what's fascinating is you were, you were on the results. We all saw you take that run and, and come in fourth there in the downhill just an hour after this happened in training. How did you go from this crash in your training run to getting up into the start gate and still making that run? Well, uh, there were a lot of tears, <laughs> mostly tears of disappointment because I knew I wasn't going to get to continue racing. Uh, I had known, I, I had known it was serious, whatever it was. I didn't know that I, I thought maybe I had ripped my bicep or maybe I had ripped my tricep off. Um, I wasn't, completely sure i knew that it was excruciating pain i saw the doc and he said well you're able to move your arm in these safe fashions uh it hurts um but if you think you're okay to race you're okay to race and i said yes sir i am <laughs> but when i got on the chairlift though <laughs> i let the tears roll and then uh you know i got to the top and i was doing everything i could to keep my arm from stiffening up and uh, I knew it was going to be my only chance at these games to race. And I knew I was going to go out and I was at least going to try my best. And, uh, and I did. You know, I really did. I got unfortunate with a headwind in the lower portion. And uh, I just couldn't move my arm properly in the upper portion um, to set a good edge in one of, the, one of the hardest portions of the course, which had previously been super easy for me but uh, i couldn't get away with what i couldn't with a broken arm my head just wasn't moving <laughs> yeah. you've uh, said in the past that you have kind of three three mindsets that you bring in to all that you are as a person and kind of the the different elements that make you up how did how did those perspectives if you will factor into that moment on the chairlift as you were going up preparing for what you in that moment sounds like knew was going to be your only run of these games so the what you're talking about is the 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 three things that i would con consider what make me a good racer and that is the spiritual factor of who i am and who i am as an athlete that would be the physical factor of who i am and who i am as an athlete and then um, the emotional factor of who I am and who I am as an athlete. Um, and I can break that down for you. Like spiritual is the portion of Andrew Kirka that is logical, you know. Uh, he's out there. He knows that racing with a broken arm is a stupid decision. Um, but he also knows that if he doesn't push the limits, he still has a chance of podiuming. And uh, he can get away with it in a safe manner. Uh, and then there's the physical side of me, which was struggling <laughs> very hard. <laughs> Having uh, a pretty much useless right arm. Uh, the physical portion of me was struggling, but uh, the emotional portion of me was able to help the physical portion of me push past it. And uh, the emotional portion of me was determined because I had this one opportunity. and. 
Um, you know, Mallory, as you know, uh, being an athlete is our job. And uh, for me, it determines my entire future. Um, so I had to try. <laughs> I mean, I had to, you know, uh, for my future to pan out. <laughs> I had to at least try. And I think you did uh you did more than try. You you put together a, a race that for those of us watching back home, if we didn't know any any difference, we wouldn't have known. And all yeah. things considered, that is that in itself is a remarkable feat and is a testament to that emotional factor that you have. Yeah, my mom didn't even know. <laughs> Uh, no one really. There was a few friends back home that messaged me and asked what was wrong, but most people weren't sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, but I don't have any regrets. I, I gave it my all. I really did. Um, and I'm really grateful for the people that are in my life because, you know, uh, a lot of my sponsors, a lot of my supporters and everyone, um, they were very inspired by the run that I did. Um, you know, and it's kind of the epitome of, you know, what it means to give it your all. And um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. So I'm, I'm really lucky that a lot of people are still standing behind me. And you have some past experience to draw on in a situation like this as you kind of pull pieces together and, and look ahead. I mean, you, you went through a crash in Sochi, um, which unfortunately didn't allow you to get to the start gate. And then you were able to make that redemption in Pyeongchang and, and win, win your gold medal. And now as you look to these games and kind of draw on that past experience and look forward, what are you looking forward to? You know, Mel, um, remembering Sochi is a very big drive of why I pushed out of that start gate. Because I didn't want to miss that opportunity ever again. Um, and you know, <laughs> this competition really lit a fire in me. It really did. Um, I'm very much determined on competing again in Cortina. And 100% uh, I'm gonna give it my all. Like I, I am dedicated to kicking ass. Um, that's very simply put. And uh, you can bleep that out or whatever, but it's, <laughs> it's the truth. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, this has definitely given me a drive. You know, I had an opportunity at four, four events and some solid gold medals and, uh, I'm going to hang on and, uh, I'm going to work very, very hard into these next games. If I'm, if I'm able to go out there and I'm able to do this and I'm able to go out there and I'm able to keep fighting, I'm going to, and that's all there is to it. Um, I'm going to take that same tenacity into the next games. I'm going to take the same tenacity into Cortina and uh, I can promise that whether it's my last games or not, uh, I'm going to give it my all. That's for certain. Four years left on the calendar now and waiting yeah. to see, I mean, what happens when all three factors of who you are get to align and you get to take that clean run? Yeah. Well, I'll be working on all three of those portions of me, I promise. Uh, hopefully they'll all come together. You know, hopefully it's not windy. <laughs> <laughs> if it is, I promise 
probably be taking it a little bit more careful. And you're you're a newly married man, Andrew. So now you've got now you've got that other the better half to you who can help keep you keep you on track these next four years and and be just another element of those three factors. Yeah, she reminds me of that pretty consistently. <laughs> I told her four more years though, so she's dedicated to pushing me and helping me. I guess the question too, though, is you know. So sport is a big focus for for all athletes. But one thing we know is when the games end, there's more to life than just competition and racing and athletics. And you certainly have not just sat aside and allowed those dreams to sit on a back burner either. I mean, you just opened your bed and breakfast. You recently got married. What does life outside of racing look like as you make this push now looking ahead to, to 2026? Well, um, it's looking pretty promising and a huge portion of that is due to my sponsors and everyone standing behind me, um, you know, after these games and after my injuries. Um, I have my bed and breakfast and I'm working on expanding it and I'm working on getting the other portions of my life. Uh, more prepared and more ready and uh, it would be more ready um, if I had done better at the games you know Uh, I would be able to expand on my bed and breakfast and I would be able to um, grow my retirement plan and grow my future Um, but unfortunately that's not the way it planned out so uh, I'll have to go in for Curtina and right now um, uh, the big plan for me is uh, to work with my wife. We're going to get starting a family, and um, I have a lot of work to do on our house. I need to finish the house, and uh, I was planning on expanding the bed and breakfast, uh, you know, uh, airplane hangar, and uh, with some more apartments, and then uh, starting up a forgery, not like, you know, like a for forging weapons. <laughs> uh, I enjoy uh, forging and uh, I was also going to, you know, do fishing lures and I was going to do that part-time just kind of just kind of getting ready planning for my future. But uh, that's changed uh, a little bit because of these games. So I'm going to do what I can and grow on those same plans. Um, but it's going to be piece by piece instead of you know, uh, all instantaneous like I was hoping it was going to be. Yeah. And you talk about your bed and breakfast for, for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about what it is that you're doing with it and where the passion for starting it came. Well, the passion for my bed and breakfast, um, it it came from my love for the outdoors and it expanded into my love for sharing the love for the outdoors with people with disabilities, you know, um, I'm a pretty independent individual, uh, especially an individual with a disability. You know, I just kind of go out and I do things, do things that a lot of people with disabilities don't get a chance to do on their own or don't get a chance to oftentimes do, especially in Alaska. And uh, living in Alaska is pretty awesome. And a lot of people with disabilities don't often get a chance to explore it. So uh, I started up this bed and breakfast as an opportunity to take people with disabilities out exploring, out fishing, out enjoying the outdoors, you know, whether it be ice climbing or rock climbing or whatever they enjoy doing. I do a bit of everything. And uh, whenever they come stay, it seems to be people love fishing with me. 
That just seems to be what happens the most. Um, but I take people with disabilities out on free fishing trips. And uh, that's why I started this bed and breakfast. It, it, it was my, you know, my retirement plan, my portion of Andrew Kirka that I enjoy away from skiing. Um, you know, it's the piece of my personal life and it's my retirement plan. And it's also a way for me to give back. And I just really enjoy it. That's, that's all there is to it. It's a fun yeah. hobby, I guess, owning a business. <laughs> a hobby it is and a lot and a lot of work, but you, you've always loved the outdoors for you. Who or what helped you enjoy the outdoors again after your injury? Um, you know, there was, there was a lot of things. I think a, a good portion of it were uh, my friends and my family. You know, my family really stood behind me. And, um, you know, a lot of it was, again, just kind of, I think, my tenacity to want to enjoy that. Because as a young man, you know, that's how I broke my back. I broke my back fishing. Um, you know, a four-wheeler accident landed on my back. It paralyzed me. And um, I went from this 13-year-old boy on this this fishing trip to now, you know, this 14 year old boy, like saying, you know, I want to go continue doing those things in life. And I just had to figure out the new way of doing that. And uh, lucky for me, my friends and family, they were all supportive. I said, Hey, I want to go do this. Help me. How do I do it? And they got behind me. That's, that's how I managed it. You know, um, you can do anything in life. You just got to find a new perspective to figure it out. You know, there's a lot of challenges, you know, if you don't, if you don't get the job done the first time, you find out a new way to get it done right, you know? And that's that's just the way I've always worked. And I think that's an, an important attribute to have in life, you know, tenacity and grit. And my mom definitely taught me that. Uh, she was a single mother with two boys. She worked very, very hard. Um, and I, I learned my work ethic from her. You know, I, I haven't been given anything in my life. Um, nothing's come to me easily. Um, I wasn't born into a blessed family. I was born into a trailer park, you know. Um, my mom worked her way out of the trailer park when I moved out, and then I worked my way to where I am now. And uh, owning this business and having everything in my life, it hasn't come to me easy, and that's why um, failures uh, hurt so bad for me, like, you know, with the games and breaking bones and everything like that. It's because uh, it's my opportunity to not stay stagnant in that life that I once lived. And it's my opportunity to keep expanding and growing myself. And I want to keep moving forward, uh, show people that they can do that as well. And uh, I've done a pretty good job, but I'm, I, it hasn't been given to me. I can promise that, you know, I'm not a spoiled athlete. <laughs> I've worked to be where I am. You've worked extremely hard and, and that perspective certainly does show on the course when you when you find that inner strength somehow on a chairlift right before a run to to get back up and and go again, despite every ounce of pain that is flowing through your body in that moment. I mean, I think that that's a that's a remarkable feat in itself. And and I wonder you, you mentioned failure, but do moments like that redefine how you perceive what is and isn't a failure in this journey? 100%. I did not fail because I went out and I still gave it my all. And that's all there is to it. I didn't fail. I got fourth place, yeah. Um, 
I wouldn't have if the wind wasn't working against me. I had the hardest gust coming up the valley, you know? Like, literally nothing that day was on my side. But I didn't quit, and uh, I'm proud of that, 100%. I worked hard. I left it all there, and I'm going to come back. And, you know, I'm going to keep working. And my competition, they 100% knew I was the gold medal favorite for that event. And they 100% know that I'm one to watch going into Cortina. And it's just unfortunate the way these ones worked out. That's all. Well, in uh, 2026, it sounds like we're going to see you coming through that finish line and possibly with a, a little bit of a growing family there cheering you on. Yeah, that's right. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Follow the podium now to get automatic downloads and tune into the networks of NBC to watch every moment of the 2022 Beijing Winter Paralympic Games.